0: Second.
1: Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I can taste sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah. Why would you bet on Goliath when we got Bet David? Yeah. Value taming, giving value's contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we gain no value to haters. How they run, homie. Look what i become. I'm the, I'm the one.
0: I'm Patrick your host of and Today I'm sitting down with Dr. Caroline Leaf, and we're gonna talk about how our brain, our mind. How all of that stuff works. I welcome you and, doctor, thanks for coming out.
1: Thank you. It's
0: such an honor to be here. For me, when I think about cognitive neuroscientists or somebody's listening saying communication pathologist, what does that really mean to an average person like myself?
1: Okay, so in simple language, I study the mind brain connection, which I've done for 30 years, do clinical research. So I look at how, what is the mind, how does that work? What is the brain? How does that work? What's the relationship? Mm-hmm. And what's the impact on how we function? In terms of our behaviors, our emotions, how we function on dates in day-to-day life, education, work, whatever. So it's looking at all of that. So as a, as a clinical, when I practice clinically, which I did for 25 years, I would look um, a patient that would come to me with whatever, brain trauma or physical trauma, emotional trauma, learning issues, uh, Alzheimer's, whatever, I would look at the external behaviors, social, emotional, cognitive, what they're doing, mm-hmm. and then track back to what's going on in the thought life, so in other words, what's happening in the mind, and then also look at the impact on the brain and the body, and then try to address all the levels. That's pretty much
0: Very it. interesting. So did you, did you also deal with bipolar, ADHD? Uh, 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 depression, anxiety, panic attacks, schizophrenia. Did you deal with all of that? I dealt with all
1: of those and I have a very different narrative for that. because I can't I don't wait to
0: get into it. Okay. I can't wait to get into it. So That's, I'm gonna a have good one. That's
1: a really good I one have to get some into. I have questions
0: for you on that because. Uh, You experience a lot of that, and the business world is filled with a lot of those personalities. There's a link also to success with it, you know, where I'm curious to know how you think about that. It's a good way to go. So, So, look, you have the mind, you have the brain. What's the difference between the mind and the brain?
1: Okay, brilliant question. So, your mind is the most simple definition, the unique way that you think and feel and choose. So those three go together. As you think, you always feel, you're always thinking. We're thinking beings, you never stop thinking 24-7. But as soon as you think, you feel. So you're always feeling 24-7. And as you think and feel, it automatically leads to choices. So you think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose, think, think, feel, choose. You're doing this on two levels. The one level is the conscious level that, w- that you're in when you're awake. And that level happens around every 10 seconds we are Consciously and deliberately aware of thinking feeling and choosing mm-hmm. and the way we do that has massive impact on mental health Which I know we're going to unpack sure the other level is The non-conscious level So not subconscious but non-conscious okay. that operates 24-7 and at that level we operate at 10 to the 17 which is about 400 billion plus actions per That's second craziness. It's crazy. Yeah. so we are functioning on these incredible levels of speed um, that, that And that's all mind, this mind is this, all this thinking, feeling, choosing on these two different levels. This power, energy, whatever you want to call it, moves through your physical brain. So your brain is a responder to your mind. So there's an interaction, they dual two things, but they interact. They can't, you can't have one without the other. So our mind moves through our brain, and then our brain responds on a chemical level, quantum level, electromagnetic level, and genetic level. So we literally put stuff in our brain and then our brain responds and builds that stuff into the cells of the brain and that instantly influences all the cells of the body. So this brain and body collectively, the two together, so the brain and the body, are made of about 75 to 100 trillion cells. And that brain and body, it's a big number, and that's only one percent of who you are as a human. So 99% of who you are as a human is this mind thing, this unique you this type you, this Patrick, this Caroline. This
0: That's what separates us from everybody. Yes. OK, so. That's
1: the defining connect, disconnect. Because we've all got the brain. Right. But the way you the way you use your brain is going to be different. So we all got the same basic neurophysiology in our brain structures, etc. The
0: way I use my brain, it's pretty much my signature, my thumbprint to the world. That's exactly. mine. That's what it is.
1: Exactly, you'll okay. see that in the brain. The brain is literally like
0: a thumbprint. So, so, th- so in essence, I can be raised in the same household, experience the same challenges, same divorce, same parents. I'm a twin. Everything could be identical the same experiences. I can be looking like somebody else. My attractiveness is the same level as somebody else. My level of popularity in school is the same as somebody else. I date the same kind of a girl or a guy as somebody else. By same 20, culture,
1: same belief same system, same
0: religion, same church I go to. I'm an atheist. I'm a Christian. I'm a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. By 20 years old, I can still view the world in a different way than you.
1: You've done it from birth. You've done it from birth, totally, totally different. This is why we see studies of identical twins, where you'll have one that's in old old age. Uh, Same thing, just as you described, and one gets Alzheimer's and one is still firing up and still going along. You know, how you perceive things makes your body work for you or against you. And this is the the clinical research that I do. We're showing this right Mm -hmm. down to the level Mm -hmm. of your DNA. And you see, you don't even have to do to do the research to know gut instinct. It's all gut instinct. You're not that's the same crazy. as someone else.
0: Yeah, that's crazy to me because what that makes me think about, Doc, and by the way, if you don't mind me calling you Doc. Absolutely. Uh, of, what that makes me think about, Doc, is, uh, you know, uh, 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 in America, I was reading a study the other day. I was talking to Jordan Peterson at an event mm. that we had and mm-hmm. asked him a question. I said, let me ask you this. Are we born uh, Democrats and Republicans? Like, are we born? <laughs> because... I remember I'm talking to uh, 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 someone's uh, uh, girlfriend at that time. I said, uh, "Let me ask you a question." And politically, we we're talking about economics. And she f- completely disagrees with capitalism. I said, "How good were you in math in high school?" She said, "I can't stand math." I said, "I'm curious to know how much math plays a role." So for me, yeah. I want to know: Are we born a certain way? Uh, you know, today we were handling an issue in the company. One person, they can't help themselves but complain. Non stop about an issue, and somebody else about the same issue is excited about it. Then somebody called me and says, Pat, what can I do to better this? I said, If for seven years this person's been like this, you and I can't change it. The person's got to want to change it for that to be taking place. So, that person that's born with a different perception of the world, can I be raised with a percep- perception of the world where I'm always looking at the glass half empty? Or can that still be fixed for somebody?
1: That can be fixed. So, here's Are the you thing sure here's, about that? yes, here's the good news. The good news is that well, we... Is positive
0: here, just no, here is no, no, no. I'm going to give you the... Re- I'm
1: going to give okay. you... No, all I don't right. do that. I don't, I don't even believe in that. So that's not where I'm at. But what I do know is from this neuroscientific research, plus from quantum physics, plus from experience, plus from mind research, all of it, we see that the, there isn't a single structure, for example, in the brain, a single circuit, a single cell in the entire human body and brain that is designed for seeing the glass half empty we are designed to see the glass half full. We literally, at a quantum level, our body, um, you see us physically now, we're looking at each other, but at your most fundamental level, you literally waves of energy. And those waves of energy, the quantum physicists, the mathematicians, um, for example, Sir Roger Penrose, who's the top mathematician of the century, in my opinion, and many people's opinions, they've done the calculations literally showing that we are made of love, and we are immersed in gravitational fields that have the qualities of love. So now let me take that. That is as a default mode, humanity is designed to operate in love. And I'm not sounding all fluffy here and over whatever, I'm being a realist. I'm a very real scientist, and I believe science is very spiritual. So it's a very strong connect, you can't separate the two. So we see scientifically a beautiful thing happening through mathematics, through quantum physics. We see a description of humanity as being this love concept. Now we know that if you go across every culture, if you deal with every human, if you talk to every human on this planet mm-hmm. that ever was and mm-hmm. ever will be, there's one common thing that we all agree on and that is we love love our families or we want to operate in love or we need love to function. It's the number one addiction. People cannot live without love. People die from a lack of love. You literally can shut your body down and die from love. Wow. In this day and age, are we have we have people dying at the same rate from the lack of love in isolation as we do from cardiovascular disease, which is pretty much a number one killer. How do you measure that? They do. There's a lot of research statistics where they show yes, you wow. can, you can, because you see it shutting down. That's the research that I'm in. So you can see lack of love is a big word. You can bring it down to how people are managing stress on a day-to-day basis, or so chronic inflammation in the body, or chronic stress ongoing. So if you're constantly isolated, you don't get the correct feedback in your because you, there's there's a certain feedback that you're getting from interacting with others. Like this, we are building mm-hmm. on each mm-hmm. other. We are. Growing each other. We mm-hmm. are sending, um, Einstein spoke about the photons that we, Einstein caught my eye over there, um, uh, about the photons that we generate from our body. I'm generating photons to you. I'm generating l- photons that are operating in love in terms of it's we having a, a conversation. We are agreeing to agree or disagree. There isn't an in- in- enmity between us. So it's growing us. And humans are designed for that. What are the stories that grab us the most?
0: I fully agree with you.
1: The stories yeah. that are of humanity. So yeah. that's our basic, and we see that. So we sit neuroscientifically, we see. It quantum physics wise we see we design for that so why does someone see the glass half empty and why do I say we can change it I don't believe in the happiness industry where you can go and get something and put it in and now suddenly you're happy I don't believe in positive affirmations they are band-aids you've got an issue you slap a positive affirmation it's not going to fix anything what we have to look at is why am I saying the glass is half empty so that is my perception why there's a reason so as soon as we move out of that massive definition of what love is because it basically is being a decent human and it's got multitude of infinite ways of, of viewing that as soon as we move out of that there's, there's there's a disconnect between humans between how we function between how we fit in the world between our impact in the world etc and as soon as we do that that there's a re, we, we, that's going to have a consequence because your mind is moving through your brain your brain builds that perception physically into your brain, so you're thinking, feeling, choosing, moment by moment of every day. And if here, if I take a scenario where I'm constantly seeing a negative thing, you talked about your guy who can't see beyond this, whatever the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I have now, more than for more than 63 days, constantly thought in a certain way, I have built a very strong tree in my brain. That's why I've got trees here. A tree is a thought. Our thoughts are real things. They look like trees. They occupy mental real estate. They're made of proteins. I
0: agree. They're 100%.
1: They are total. Right now you are growing at the speed of 400 billion actions. You're converting my words and so are the listeners into trees in their brain. Hopefully they're building nice healthy trees about what we're saying. But now if you've got a habit, if you've done something for years, and you've thought in a way for years because of an experience, because of environment. So there's n- nurture, you born with this, This, as I've mentioned, this wired for love mm-hmm. design. we in nurture environment and all the other stuff you described. Now there's the eye factor, the two twins going through life, same thing, but how are they seeing it? So each experience is now adding more and more layers to my initial core. So here I am born, but here I am perceiving. I may perceive the two twins, one perceives, a relationship in this way, one perceives a situation in this way. Two different networks build in the brain. Mm-hmm. And as you keep thinking in that certain way, so you strengthen. Whatever you think about the most grows into a toxic I, thought. I, 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 see? I see so that. that's
0: the pattern. I fully see that. Here's a question then. So, can I be born more negative than you?
1: You No, you can't be born more negative, but what you can have, which is total science, it's epigenetics, your DNA will come through from your parents. So it goes through the sperm and the ova. But that DNA is not, you've got two types of DNA that comes through. So you're born with your genetic blueprint, and that genetic blueprint is this wired for low perfection. On top of that, we have, Say that one more time. So it? you've got a My, ge- you've got a gene code yep. that is basically perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. On top of that,
0: you believe that we're born y- perfect. Y-
1: oh yes, I do because I can show you scientifically. So let me let me explain how this works. So you've got a basic core. Then on top of that, you've got the DNA from that's come through generations, and that's the imperfect stuff. Mm-hmm. So humans or make choices. When we make choices, it becomes part of our DNA. That DNA is the Constantly it's you putting it out in the world and what you say it's passing through the sperm and the ova. So when you were born you were born with you plus things from your parents generations back whatever So you've got a bunch of imperfection on top of perfection,
0: but I, I'm born with imperfection as well. Yes yeah,
1: So it's born. So it's yeah, so, uh, okay. You, okay, yeah. so you're so born that, that with, makes sense. Okay, sorry. I maybe said it wrong. You're born, okay, your so core, we're born perfect Okay, we're born. We're not born blank slate. We're not born perfect Let me rephrase that we are born with a core that's perfect with a bunch of other stuff on top and got what it. we see, we can even track disease back. Disease is lifestyle related. Lifestyle is choices, thinking, how we respond to the world. As we mutate genes, so we get the propensity to disease. That's, but but only 5% is gonna come from that gene propensity. So you've got the stuff inside of you on top of your original core design. And that is now activated to nurturing. So let's say now your parents were depressed and, you're, and you've you got a history of, of people being very depressed in your family, or very negative. Just depressed. a negative, yeah. depressed. Yeah. Like people that just, ugh, you know, or you see glass half mm-hmm. empty so now you're born with that those mutated genes on top of your genes here's the great news they're born that they, you're born with them asleep they dormant it's called dormancy so the genes are dormant which means that the your positive
0: genes are dormant no
1: your genes are active okay. otherwise you couldn't live your genes have to be active, but so you've what's got dormant? what's dormant is what's passed through the generations. So it's the stuff that came through the sperm and the ova. it's the imperfect genes on top of the genes. So it's mixed in amongst your genome is your genome, which is active, otherwise you couldn't be alive. And then you've got interwoven on top of that you have your in, your, in, your stuff that's come through the generations. Coming through dormant, which means it's sealed, it's it's closed, it's not active. How do you wake it up? with your perception, your response, your mind, how you think, feel, and choose. So now a child's growing up in a, All this child hears this negativity. All this child sees is arguing, fighting, etc. That is now environmental influence coming in. The child's still learning, so the child can't maybe make such good decisions. So the child's immersed in negativity. So now the environment's negative. That then wakes up the dormant genes and that could start manifesting. And then you start seeing patterns of behavior in the child becoming negative. But now we have two twins in the family, and both are exposed to this negativity. One is definitely more negative than the other. I'm just giving you a scenario. Okay, good. But that's, so, that's where I'm going with that. Yeah, exactly. So one
0: can be more negative than the yeah, other? So,
1: yes. Okay. and But that's coming from perception. It's not coming from—they've had. They've got the same—they've ba- they, each got their own active—it's coming from perception, which is mind, which is how you think, feel, which and choose. Which is them, though. Exactly, it's the, indiv- it's the That's eye That's so, the individual. So
0: one could have a more negative perception of the world than the other. But
1: it's not genetically pre-wired, it is I'm not saying genetically activated.
0: not genetically, it's activated. So Through
1: thinking, feeling, choosing. So the, the genes are not self-emergent. Let me explain it like this. If I pull your brain out your head, if I did some brain surgery on you right now, which I won't, and I hold your brain in my hand, it's not going to do anything. I can look at it all day long you dead, nothing in your body will function. No genome, no genetic activation, nothing will happen. No genes will switch on. But the fact that you are alive, and I haven't done that, the only reason your brain and genes are doing anything is because of your thinking, feeling, and choosing. It's firing them up, it is the switch on. Your thinking, feeling, and choosing switches your genes on and switches them off. I get that, but what
0: does that have off? to do my question? So, okay. My question being the fact that I, I, I'm trying, the perception, I'm born with, I asked the question earlier, which how much of it is my DNA, my environment, my this, and let's just say everything is the same and you and I are born same girlfriend, same boyfriend, same mm-hmm, this, same high mm-hmm, Christian, mm-hmm. Sh- all this stuff, And then why is right? this one, why is this one and negative? Is perception, yeah. right? So okay. we've got our
1: two kids in the family and one's negative and it. one is.
0: So, so, But I, like, I have three kids, right? Okay, and I, I see a lot of people that came from a great family, like, okay, that guy became a successful, that guy's in prison, this guy's in the military, that guy, everything's bad in his life since he was a kid. This person's parents lived a, d- a decent life. How much of that is? Them, like You know how you talk about teacher versus the individual? How much of it is the teacher? The example? How much of it is the individual? How much of it is the environment? So I'm just well, trying to… Well, teacher,
1: environment is all one category. So that's nurture. So under nurture, we would have all of those things you described. So you're born with your physical and then you've got nurture. Then you've got the I factor. So the I factor is the dominant one. It's the 99%. It's the thing that overrides. So your two kids in the family with the same thing, you've got the one who will now literally activate by thinking negative. Oh, I'm seeing this negative. I choose to think negative and they start activating the negative genes. So now I've got the propensity activated and I'm continuing in that way of thinking. It's a choice that I make because at any stage, I can recognize, you can train a person very easily to stand back, observe their own thinking because it's neuroscience, it's how we are designed, it's quantum physics, it's all of that. You can stand back and observe your own thinking and you can show someone, can you see that you're being negative? Can you see that that is, um, and you can so by showing people, there's always a way for someone to see it, but not everyone will choose to do that. And then one of the greatest ways of people seeing that is the impact on other people. So because we're so relational, we're so designed for deep, meaningful community, so that person who constantly sees negative in your meeting, he's irritating. Eventually that's going to get to a point where you all kind of, ugh, you know, like, oh, I'm just giving that example. Is there any saving
0: that person?
1: That person has to save themselves, but it takes community. takes community to make them away, but they can still be away and choose to stay the same. The, but sometimes factor. they
0: don't want to, let's just say they, they have a great community. Like you know how you go to church?
1: Yeah, yeah. you got the whole thing and they still need it. And
0: up. Yeah. You, you know how like, uh, I remember one time a buddy of mine called me and he says, Pat, my marriage didn't work out. So okay. He says, how do you do it? So how do I do what? How do you make a marriage work? I said, buddy, I take one year at a time. I have no idea if it's going to work out next year. Marriage is not an easy thing. It's a lot of work. He says, okay, but what's your, uh, uh, what's effective for you? I said, you know. Ten years ago, I asked people, I said, what's the benefit of a church? I was, I was an atheist for 25 mm-hmm. years. Now, I'm, all, I'm, I'm very much against the whole uh, thing, church thing, at first going up. And you know, one guy says, look, here's what you got to realize. There's a benefit of being around a community of people that are making their marriages work because a community helps you want to no keep your marriage. It's kind of like, you know, Mac, man, you know she loves you, man. You guys got to figure this out. I know you kind of a, like Big Macs but she mm-hmm. doesn't like it but you got to figure out a way to make this relationship work and hey mm-hmm. I just don't know if I can be with her so, buddy, what are you talking about and he's like I can't deal with him he's so stubborn you got to do this doc you know you guys have been together for 22 years okay we'll make it work right so that's yeah, committed yeah. but what if he's like nope I don't want to do anything. Stubborn you can't, doesn't you, want to take
1: it. That's a choice they've made. So that's, choice, a, that's a choice And that's made. the eye factor. See the choice comes in. Remember I, agree. I said mind is think, feel, choose? Yeah. That is your unique you own that. Right. So what we've got to recognize is what we own. We own our thinking, feeling and choosing. So that person, those two kids in the family, the situation you've just described, mm-hmm. you can take the horse to the water. It's that situation. But the horse has the to same drink page, the water. Yeah. That's so yeah, well and that's the mind, that's the eye factor. That's the part that we are not, have not done enough research on that I've spent 30 years myself researching. There are a few of us doing it, but we've got to focus on that because otherwise, I can use my brain as an excuse for everything, which is the day and age we live in. You can't make the relationship work, they've got ADHD, that's why they go, they've got this, they've yep. got that, they, yep. that's why. No, that's not why. Those are those are effects. If, if, if This is a great, I've got a great image here. I don't know if you want to have a look at this. Sure. This is a very powerful image. What we're going to see here is a real human, brain this is a real life person linked up to very advanced brain technology right. and that firing that you see over there is thinking feeling choosing if you were dead there would be no firing in the brain so what we're seeing is energy moving through the brain that is being picked up by very complex technology that is showing the brain responding to an alive person who's thinking Feeling, choosing. So, thinking, this is feeling, in a conversation
0: choosing. or this is just steady? That's all the time. It's oh, okay. constant. It.
1: So, your brain looks like that now, but your firing would be different to mine, different to every mm-hmm. single viewer. So, mm-hmm. everyone has their own unique way that the brain wow. actually fires up. So, there's a uniqueness. Your brain is designed to match you, it responds to you, and you drive that. So, if I'm constantly negative, I drive a negative quantum energy through the brain, which will then cause still cause an electrochemical, an electromagnetic and genetic reaction, but uh, it's going to be distorted. And that means that I'm going to make something that's all distorted. Or I'm going to do a healthy thought or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, that, that, and I'm going to then change what it looks like. And that's why I've got green trees and toxic trees. So if you look at this next slide, this really makes it clear. This, these are neurons. Okay, and you see them moving. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same, it's this, it's also in the brain. If you were dead, there'd be no movement. Um, and that what you're seeing there's things growing. That's what's happening in your brain at speeds that are very, very fast. You're growing little, Branches, those branches. So it's
0: growing and it's it's building constantly. You are building now. You non-stop. Doing non-stop. What causes it to develop? You're and build? thinking,
1: feeling, and choosing. Because so if you're dead, it doesn't happen. So let
0: me ask you: Does this mean the more I'm learning and reading, is it building more?
1: More all the time. You're doing it all day long. Is there long. a
0: way to measure three brains of one developing versus one not? Yeah, we see can how. see that.
1: We can see a response. Your brain, brain. You you've the done the brain, use. You see it like I, I work with scientists. I'm doing my own research now. We see that with you see brain thickening. You see changes. You see that's fascinating right
0: there because yeah,
1: you you actually. See, I've got another slide over here. Um, we'll uh, well, okay. We've got another slide. Okay, we have to pause this, edit this thing. There's another slide that shows an inside the actual brain. I don't have it over here, but you can actually see what you're asking me. Um, let me see if it's over here. Here we go. Okay, this is fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's okay. intense to me.
1: Yeah, it is intense, and this is what people don't realize. But you're doing that. You drive. You know that. what that
0: means? That means when you're thinking, you're reading, learning more. Your brain is. Growing. And growing, it's growing more muscles.
1: It's growing, not even. It's growing branches. It's growing computers, and those computers. So you, this is inside your brain. You've got infinite space in your brain. You're designed to think. You're supposed to think. You're supposed to grow your brain. One of the biggest aspects of mental health that is the wow. most undealt with aspect of mental mm-hmm. health that I've been fighting for thirty years to get out into into people's minds and, and and understanding, and that I do with my research is building your brain with your mind. If you don't build your brain, if you're not learning new stuff, if you're not really using your brain every day, it's like not cleaning your house or not cleaning your teeth or not washing your body. Your brain builds up toxic Can I waste. go a little
0: deeper in that? Absolutely. What, so, so what the, it, 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 has there been research to study what builds the brain more? Is it play? Is it seeing a movie that creates your imagination? Is it reading? Is it relationship? Is it...
1: All, All of the above.
0: Is there one that does All, more than the other?
1: The, it, it's it's how you, once again, your eye factor. If I approach a relationship with deep intensity and I really throw everything at it, I'm growing my brain very effectively. If I take material and I study it intensively so that I can understand it and I can actually teach it, that's more effective than if I just took it and just scanned through it, or if I just approach a relationship. In terms of comparing across them, it's all dependent on how you are using your perception, how you're using your mind. That builds health into the brain. So constantly you'll have people that are that are constantly like a therapist, for example, who's always interacting with people and diving into people's heads, you would find that is very that's it's not an area in the brain, but it's basically that kind of skill has developed in the brain. Um, and we can all develop relationships, does but that, that's that an interest.
0: Sh- does that sh- sometimes shut down the emotion for the therapist?
1: No, because emotions are always there. You, can but you know what I'm talking
0: th- about? Okay, so for instance, I, I myself, I've hired a therapist for the last 19 years, 20 years, and I'll go sit with them, right? A person that had been around for 30 years, it's routine. A person that had been around for five years, they're putting a little bit more effort. A person that's been around for 35 years, they're just kind of like, oh, okay, so how did I make you feel? So tell me about this.
1: Well, they just got lazy. They just got lazy.
0: I saw a trend a little bit with that, where sometimes a fire was being gone, but let me go back to this. Mm -hmm. I want to go a little bit deeper with this conversation as well. So you know how uh, 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 generals, historically, general, like general Mm -hmm. of the army, Mm -hmm. leaders of the army Mm -hmm. would say, you know, this country produces the best human beings, okay, or the best uh, specimen, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a better word to use, you know. I'm talking to uh, Kai, Kai's from Norway. He tells me, do you know Hitler believed? that the best specimen came from uh, Norway because whatever reasons right now why he thinks that I have no idea why he thinks that but you see a lot of generals and rulers will say you know Assyrians make the best you know people because the blood is stemmed from fire and they you know they got this and they're students and they're you know original they've been around for a while so they're all these things is there a way is there a way for maybe if if we don't have it right now scientifically because this to me I mean, if you have this, this is insane, the rest of it. Is there a way to measure uh, a person's capacity from the day they're born or maybe at a year old to do a test on their brain and say, this person's wiring on how the brain is, if you feed the right information to this person, they could end up being an Elon Musk type of guy. They could end up being the next Einstein. This person could end up being like a Churchill or an Alexander Hamilton. Because the, wi- the wiring has the ability to grow. Is okay, there a so way to measure that?
1: It's imp- it, no, because it's complete neuro reductionism. They've tried to do it, they're trying to do it, and it's the worst thing that's ever been done because it takes away the uniqueness of a human. Anyone could be anything. Depending on who you are, Anyone so whatever it's what your where it's where you go, it's your perception. And why do we have to? But I'm not saying that. Let me rephrase that. I'm Please. not saying everyone can be an Elon Musk and everyone can be an Einstein. If that's not where your leaning goes, if you are an incredible artist, that's as brilliant as someone who is a physicist. Well, I get that. Physicist. Okay. So I get that. It's who you are. It's the uniqueness of where your interest I'm not goes.
0: Not
1: asking that. So. Okay, so no, you can't. For that's what you're trying to say is neuroreduction. Yeah, so what can I'm we not predi- asking is… Can we predict that there is a certain type of brain that will do a certain type of thing and can we grow it? No, you can't. That's neuroreduction. Okay, is maybe let me,
0: show, let me show this to you and, and you explain to me if I'm thinking the right way. Okay, we got uh, uh, three different people, okay, Mary, okay, Bobby, Cindy, they're siblings, okay? Mary, Bobby, Cindy, mm-hmm. okay? Mary has a higher level of capacity in life, mm-hmm. okay? she is obviously it's very obvious from very early on very intuitive good with people understand you know thinks in a different way decisions different perspective perception of how uh, she views the world then Bobby's a sl- slightly lower than him and lower than her and then you got Cindy lower than Bobby okay I'm asking capacity if Bobby reaches this level in life it's still lower than her if she gets here but she's done more with her life with his life than Mary, because Mary's potential of doing more in life is higher. So all I'm asking for is there are people that have a higher potential. Not everybody can be Elon Musk, right? Not everybody can be an Einstein. Not everybody can be a, and that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not making the comparison part. All I'm saying is, is there a measuring mechanism to say this person's capacity based on the way their brain is wired is a lot higher than another person based on the way.
1: Not at all. The answer is no, absolutely no. Because, absolutely not. Yes, because your brain is only 1% of how you function. And the biggest danger that's happened with neuroscience and the advent of uh, technology, the MRI, the FMRI mid-90s, and the understanding of, of neuroplasticity is that people have tried to find neurobiological correlates of intelligence, of mental health, of mental illness, and it's completely and utterly unscientific and lacking in evidence. Yale just brought out a study recently saying that there is no normal brain. Which and what that means is that every brain has the potential to become what that person's interest is So
0: very good point right there what that person's, person's interest, interest is, is. and enough. that
1: and then that comes back to the eye factor so I can have the most amazing desire to grow in a direction and show signs of doing that, but there's just something about how I'm seeing life that could block me. And someone else who you, who like that, that Cindy, Bobby, whatever, who also makes that judgment? You know, we be coming from a very materialistic view of so who's who's allowed to say that that one's got it's more potential judgment. than that one?
0: Yeah, so. But, so, but it's,
1: a, it's, a, it's still a decision. Someone has said you've got more potential than you, yeah, simply by you know a it's behavior.
0: Like? We well, you know what it's like? It's kind of like this. I will judge you if you're 7'1 and you're 15 years old there is a forty percent chance you can end up playing in the
1: NBA. Yeah, but that's physical, external. That's a physical. You've looked at someone physically. You looked at the physical. When they start talking, that person. There is enough um, research out there with people that they have thought would not do very well. Einstein is a classic case of that, where he was seen yeah. as a slow kid. He was even told, taken out of school mm-hmm. and homeschooled, and, a half and years old. he because he just did not think in the stand. I talk a lot about that in my book, Think, Learn, Succeed. We've got to be so careful of learning styles. It's the most inaccurate way of judging people personality profiles IQ learning style yeah. is not science at all for 25 years there's been a few of us in the lo- in the dark in, in the in the in the lonely world and are saying do not work on learning styles because it limits people now that is what a learning style
0: so is to you? What is learning, learning
1: style? style, people talk about being a visual learner an auditory right, learner all right. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of um, education systems have been based around for for years on that but that's very limiting because you cannot say you're a visual learner because you ha- every single person Person so you don't believe imagines, in that at all. not at all. It's not even science. It's not even, it's never, it's actually been totally disproven. Who has, pro-
0: who has disproven that?
1: many, many scientists. I have many studies that I quote actually in this book. So so Basically, what we have is the learning style movement has limited people because it's saying you're this type of person. It has given birth, it's come out of the IQ movement. So you're either a number. So they would do a static test to see how you responded in that moment and your whole potential and your whole life was judged on that. IQ tests play a much lesser role now. They still play a role. Then we went to the more personality, learning style Mm -hmm. movement, which put you in a category. And it said, if you do X, then you that. Now in the same category is this neuroreductionism, which is trying to say, this is the perfect brain. If you have this kind of wiring, you're going to be able to do this. It links to artificial intelligence. Yeah, I'm not saying that. It, well, you, you, you're basically saying, if you, is there a certain pattern of wiring that, can, that you can activate or, or, or stimulate to, to achieve no. that so kind of goal? So let
0: me ask you in a, in a different way. A- and again, if, if brain... Are there muscles? What would you call those muscles? No. They're little
1: proteins. Little proteins. proteins. Little okay. computers.
0: Little computers. Mm-hmm. Would you say muscles are little proteins?
1: Yes, they eventually break down to proteins. Okay, so, break so down you, to you pro- Yeah.
0: So essentially, maybe there's some similarity there, right? You could. Okay. You could use that as an so, analogy. So, so for instance, you know, in in, um, in bodybuilding, they call it endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a guy like me, like I have small, uh, uh, what do you call? Uh, 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 joints, or uh, what do you call? Like here, here. Uh, joints, yeah. Joints, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what this does is it benefits a bodybuilder because it makes the forearm look bigger versus somebody who has mm-hmm. a bigger forearm. So you're looking like, ah, you know, he's going to look boxy. Perspective. Yeah, so so then you're looking like, ah, I don't know if this guy's got the physique to be Mr. Olympia, right? You can tell very early on if someone's got a physique to be a Mr. Olympia. That's, that's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. this person may be built to be Mr. Olympia. All I'm saying is this person's got a very, uh, uh, extremely sensitive brain that if the proper information is given to her, and she finds something that's passionately interested in, she has the ability to, to really expand it into something very big. I'm not saying specifically put it in a box, like in Germany from ninth grade, they decide what you need to do as a career. Oh, mm-hmm. well, here's what you're gonna, because mm-hmm. the educational system's system is slightly too. different, mm-hmm. right? British system too, mm-hmm. right? In America, it's a little bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. If Already. they did that to me, it'd be broken because I would have gone a different direction. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking measurement to say, the, and it's not even an IQ thing, it's a pure like looking at the way it's set up to measure and say this person can do something really magnificent with this brain and this mind if we feed the right information to this okay, individual. talking
1: about two different things. What you've done is you've mixed up physical and mental. So you're totally 100% correct in saying that you could look at that physique of the body bodybuilder versus someone who's very thin, scorny, tiny, you're not going to, unless mm-hmm. they really, they just don't. So there's a physical thing that that lean, that, that enables well, you to lean protein, towards... Right? the protein is also
0: somewhat physical, right?
1: Yes, it is. It's physical. It's, that is physical. So there's the physical, that 1%, that shows that there's probably more tendency for someone like you to become a bodybuilder than like me to become a bodybuilder, just, just in terms of our size. Okay, so there's the physique thing. That's the physical. The other side is you can look at a person's what they're saying, what they're doing, what they seem to be interested in—that's what you say. And if they—and if you shape that, can you can you—and you expose them to the books and the the mentors and the whatever—can you grow them in that direction? There isn't a way of measuring that with the brain. And and I'm going to use AI, artificial intelligence, to explain to you. One neuron in the brain if, if it moves at a speed or fires at a speed of ten to the sixteen. One neuron. Okay. Artificial intelligence is trying to build a human brain that can do what a human can do based on getting the firing speed up to 10 to the 16. That's only one neuron. Your brain is not made of one neuron. Your brain is made of a hundred billion neurons. That's only 20% of brain tissue. The entire brain of those, that hundred billion neurons, they fire at a speed of 10 to the 27, which is, it's, it's, it's so big, it's, it's incomprehensible. So, there's, so that's the one part. Then there's all the other parts of the brain that interact. Now we see that the, the chemicals that pay an impact, this pays an impact, the quantum wave plays an impact. By the time you've built all those factors in, you'll see it's absolutely impossible to do that. The big leader in this field has been a, actually also a South African, um, a guy who's, who ran the the brain uh, the, the, the Blue Brain Project and the change into another into another name. And basically, oh, I've gone blank now, his name's going to come back in a moment. Um, he basically, his whole goal was to build a, Mac, what was his name again? Henry Markham. Henry Mark, thank you. Um, Henry, Henry Markram. His whole goal, 30 years ago, he went to the same university as I did, was to build an artificial brain. 12 years into into the, and he said he'd do it in 12 years, a few short years into the project. Now we're talking about, about a guy who raised billions of euros, billions of dollars, teams of scientists, the best, and he still runs one of the biggest brain projects in the world. He said, and this is what makes him brilliant, as a scientist, I made a mistake. My mistake was to think that we could simulate the human brain in a computer, that we could make something that's not not this physical structure that we see mm. into something that we could predict and program and and say this person's that and that and build that that it's impossible he said after 30 that's impossible? Yes. He says it's impossible yes after 30 years there's no project that's bigger than his after 30 years of doing this what they've managed to do with the top scientists in the world is they've managed to simulate one one thought in a mouse brain looking for cheese or whatever and it's a veritable universe so his argument and then there's other people like Hammerhoff in, in Arizona and Doctor Sir Roger Penrose, the mathematician. These are these scientists that are like out there scientists that are brilliant, that have shown that it is absolutely impossible because one thought is a veritable universe. In a rat, what are the thoughts that you think? You, you you never stop thinking, you are constantly building new thoughts. Every 10 seconds you are able to consciously and deliberately capture your thoughts. There's no space that you're going to run out of in your brain in terms of the amount of thoughts and it's all different. There's no similarity, we're all a bit crazy, there's no one. So we can't get a model that says if you have that type of model, what we see is behaviour, We see interest. We see our oh, four kids. I see you've got three kids. I've got four. I see my one is much more interested in, in in kind of my field. So that's what she went into at university. Another one who's totally into the literature side. Another one who's totally into the mm-hmm. history side. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, we we make sure that we expose our children, help them, that's what we're talking about. So then you guide them and you give them the opportunity. So it's more creating opportunity, but there isn't a reductionistic way. Neuro-reductionism has been burst out of the MRI movement in the mid-90s, where we could see inside the brain, and there was this love affair that began with saying that, we can see this in your brain. This is the size change. This causes this, and it's not the truth. An MRI is seventy percent inaccurate. I work with QEEGs. MRI seventy percent inaccurate. It's 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 full of seventy percent false positives. So it claims forty thousand studies have been done on on MRIs. Seventy percent of the the of of what they find is a false positive. You cannot say that this part of the brain does this. Therefore, I don't have an MRI here, but this, this this part of the brain does this so from I this do an firing.
0: MRI. What's the purpose of an MRI? To show the
1: response in the brain. So, what we can see on a very broad scale is a response. Like I use mm-hmm. QEEGs in my in my research, and a QEEG is a very accurate way of seeing um, active, activation in the moment. So, if I linked you up now to a QEEG machine and I had my technicians analyze what's going on, uh, both of us, we would have a lot of what we call high gamma activity, which is a wave that shows a lot of insight, deep thinking, creativity we're making a lot of links, there's a lot of thinking going on here. If I was, um, if we linked it up, that, that machine up to someone who's in chronic stress, who has, who is just not, who's waking up in the morning battling to get through the day, who's just stuck in a pattern of negativity and worry and is battling to make it through every moment, we would see very little gamma activity. We would see patterns, and it changes every moment, but we would see a general pattern of high, what we call high, high beta activity and whatever. So there's certain patterns, but they don't, they're not telling you a story. They're just patterns, they're responses. So the brain tells us Something's going on. It's like standing on a twenty-foot building, the twentieth floor of a hotel, and downstairs you see a group of people talking. You can't hear what they're saying. You can maybe if you lean over the balcony and open the window, you can hear a little bit of noise because noise carries. But you, and then you see there's something going on, so you see there's maybe a fight or an argument, but you don't know the detail of what's going on. That's what brain technology tells us. It tells us that the brain, something's going on in the brain, the brain responds and the brain constantly changes. The greatest contribution brain technology has made is that our brain constantly changes, and that's called neuroplasticity. How often? Every. It's changed now. Every second is changing. Every experience is changing. Back in the 80s, I was trained. I did a TED talk on this. I, I was trained that the brain couldn't change. I challenged that. I did work with people that had traumatic brain injury, like major, that had been written off by neurologists and neurosurgeons. And through deliberate and intentional building of the brain, learning, growing the brain, studying daily, um, working on mind management for emotional stuff, doing this mind work, this and that's just one case went back to university ended up finishing school getting high grades and this was this this kid had been written off as a vegetable and i've seen that happen way too often not just me there's many scientists who have since shown that when you use your mind your brain will change now technologies confirm that mris show us yes i'm thinking your brain is changing; it never stays the same, and that's the beauty of humanity. So you you're don't
0: always changing. So you don't fear AI threat at all. Not at all.
1: It's f- fantastic. It's just giving us more insight.
0: So this whole thing about AI is going to replace uh, all jobs in the world. You're saying it would never. It
1: could never. It's just going to make our jobs easier. We're going to have to be smarter in how we manage things. It's. It's really. It's like technology on phones. These, if technology is managed, it's a tremendous asset to humanity. It's only when it's mismanaged that it becomes a problem. So AI is a way of like the first quantum computers have already been built. And that's a great way of us being able to understand knowledge and manage knowledge more effectively. It's how we use the technology is always going to be the issue. It's how we use brain technology that's going to be the issue. Brain technology has been used badly for humanity in a lot of ways, very good in a lot of ways, because it's given us a lot about, I mean, through technology, I've learned about the brain, but it certainly doesn't tell you about how you as a, okay, let me explain this, if the brain fires up, and you are looking at a painting and someone else is going through a trauma. You you can't see if that firing in your brain, I can't tell you if that firing is because you've had a trauma or and you're re-experiencing a PTSD, or you are looking at a beautiful painting because the same kind of firing happens in the brain. You
0: can't tell by just you looking You can't
1: tell, t- no. So say hypothetical. No.
0: you sit over here, okay, and you have this QEEG, whatever you got on mm-hmm. my, my, on my, my uh, brain, okay, and we have different things that are coming behind you. You can't see what I'm looking at, right? No. You cannot find no. out what no. Nothing. No. So, for so
1: there's something going on. It's very stimulated. You can see you're very stimulated. There's a lot of activity I can see in your eyes. You can't separate, eyes.
0: differentiate between the different stimulations. No, stimulation. you can't.
1: You can't okay. read thoughts. And that's where we, what, what Henry Markham… Do you think Markham, one day we can or no? I, no. You can only predict from people's behavior. But, and we'll get, obviously technology is going to advance. But sure. not in a thousand times a thousand years. So therefore, literally, this is what Henry Markram and and Hammerhoff, which are the two leaders in this field, they're really the leaders fighting the AI movement in terms of not finding it in terms of you must not develop and technology. But you need to be realistic if one thought in a mouse brain is a veritable universe How are many other thoughts in your brain and what kind of universe? It's a universe your child your children your little girl She's a universe of thoughts and you'll never fully understand her You'll never fully know or be able to predict how she's going to react tomorrow You can estimate but you will always be quantum physics shows us that you can know your wife You can know your child you can know your husband, but you can you'll still be 30% inaccurate if I don't know you at all well. I've only watched you on your interviews, so I'm going to guess, but I'm going to be fifty percent inaccurate. I know my husband very well because I've been married for thirty-two years. I can guess, but I'm still going to be only seventy percent in that region accurate. So we thoughts That's are thoughts really the I factors yeah. this beautiful part of humanity that we need to respect and it can always change. So if someone has done something and they've been doing it for more than 63 days, they have wired a pattern into their brain, like a pathway, it looks like a toxic tree, that's why I use this. It's a real protein, it's all computers. And those computers have been very, very established. It takes 21 days to build a long-term memory. It takes 63 days minimum to build a habit, not 21 like we've been told, 63. Anything after that, you're going to expert level. So if I have for six years, been worrying. I'm an expert warrior. It doesn't mean that's who I am. It's who I've become. So I can unbecome. It's hard work. I'm going to have to do a lot of mind work, I'm going to have to do a lot of mind management to use emotional signals like depression and anxiety and schizophrenia and all that stuff we initially spoke about. I'm going to have to use that to make to find out what is the cause of why I'm so negative. How, why how, did, you, do how did
0: you find out about 63 instead of 21 days?
1: That's memory research. I'm, I've written about it also in that book Think, Learn, Succeed. So it's basically what we see is your brain, your body works in cycles of healing. Um, So if you have a blister, you'll find that it takes, for example, 21 days to more or less, I mean, it could be 23, it could be 20, it could be 19, but it's in that region, we see that it takes cycles of that to heal. Dr. Marion Diamond, who died last year at 84, one of the leading researchers in this particular field of memory, she showed how the little branches that are made of millions of computers that hold your memories as vibrations on the tops of the trees, that over time the the branches change shape and um, it takes 21 days for the branches to reach a certain shape and when they reach that certain shape they're made of proteins that are what we call self-sustainable. Mm-hmm. So we see a change in proteins. Some proteins are very unstable. They only last for 24, 48 hours. Some only last seven days, some 14 days, some 21 days. So we can see that that's the kind of what we're talking about. We can see a change and a progression. Now, even a long-term memory can be Reconceptualized, and that means I'll always remember. So let's say, for example, someone is the half glass Mm -hmm. in half sees the glass half empty, and they've just been in that, and it's just like these people just always going to see the negative first. Every meet business meeting, they just always see the negative but that person can change. They, they very well, they become an expert in being negative, but they can actually unwire that. They can They can get to the point where it's a lot of work. It's, it, you've got to go through the pain of doing it, which people don't want to in this day and age, and that's something we should maybe discuss. But you can change that and reverse that process. Then one day that guy in your meeting, you'll say, wow, you actually see- How seen, do you do that? So a person watching around. how I'm, do, you do I'm going to show you how to, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So that guy will actually then say, hey, now I am, you see something positive, so Patrick says to the business employee, hey, you actually seeing this differently, what did you do? It's been hard work, whatever. What has that person done? That person has seen the response of, and I'm just using this because we be brought it up first, of your colleagues, his colleagues, his boss, etc., getting kind of a little bit put off by the negativity. We all know you're around someone negative, it can impact you because they're generating toxic photons and whatever, so by looking at the response and the feedback, they make a choice. That's the initial start process. So once I recognize, okay, people don't, you know, I need to do something. It's either, either feedback from people, or I can't go on like this anymore. I'm burning out stress wise. I'm getting sick because there's a relationship between chronic ongoing inflammation and physical illnesses in your body, which I've just done research on now and the mind stuff and how you can change that. So what this person does first is an awareness. It's, it's embracing it either from feedback or from I can't go on like this anymore. So there's some level of awareness. I've got to embrace. Step number one, embrace, acknowledge. It's all the same thing. I've got to get to the point where I'm going to do that. And in, in, in that is the choice, okay, I want to change. I don't want to have this feedback anymore i want to improve my relationship i don't want to keep living a life where i'm always worrying or always anxious it's making me sick which it is which it does um, so that's the first step embrace acknowledge and choose then you've got to go through a very painful process of processing and that is a process of why do i do this why am i always negative and it's a process, it's an exercise, where you literally go through five steps for 30 minutes a day. And I always recommend to my patients and my research has shown, stick around 30 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes is pushing it, because it's heavy stuff. When you start digging into trauma or dealing with your toxic habits, it's very draining. So you've got to limit that. Otherwise the whole day becomes this big emotional washout and you become very eye focused, which is very unhealthy for your heart. More, the more times you say, I, me and mine, you're going to increase your chance by 42% of having a cardiovascular event in the next 12 months. So we don't want to turn people into self. Why is that? Because of the, um, I, me and mine.
0: Pressure's all on you.
1: It's on me, you're putting it inside, you're focusing on yourself. You go around in circles, you don't get perspective and you've got to have interaction with others. You've got to have deep meaningful relationships. So the more self-focused you become, the more your heart becomes strained. Your blood vessels start going, your body goes into toxic stress. Your blood vessels around your heart constrict you reduce oxygen and blood flow to your brain and you set yourself up for cardiovascular. So the more you, I, me, my, myself, or I, I, I isolation, individualism, the more you're going to die, And which is what we see in this day and age. We see an increase in cardiovascular events in the United States, in UK, in developed countries that have an individualistic focus. We see way less in countries that have a community focus, like Japan and you know the, uh, the various different countries that have more of a community focus. Mm-hmm. This country. Is the most individualized country, one of the most individualized countries. Our youth are the loneliest in the world, and we have one of the highest rates of people dying from isolation, cardiovascular disease, etc., annually. And I mean, this is becoming a problem in, in, in as much of a problem as the UK, Australia, the developed countries we're seeing more and more, where we see more community, like in Africa, Cambodia, we see less and less of that. We see people dying from malnutrition and, and hygiene and that kind of stuff. But we don't see them dying because they're lonely. This so country, people are nutrition. They, they they healthy, they're well fed, they are successful, Kate Spade, they are beautiful, They and they're committing suicide, They you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, these. So we've mm-hmm. got a problem there. So coming back to the question you asked me, how someone changes, we've got to be, do the same What's the five steps? So the five steps, first of all, is gather. 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 That's a big word for embrace, acknowledge,
0: embrace so th- that you're, embrace that you have an issue. Step yes, Kind of yes. like a, a, you know, your first accepting that you there's an issue. You've got to there. accept there's an issue. What's the second one?
1: Second one is you've got to reflect. It's a deep reflection. It's a process. This is the yeah. most painful part. It's, it's like a surgeon will say, my friends, I've got a lot of doctor friends. And they'll say that they've got to first cut up the patient to heal them. So you've got to go through the pain before, got to hurt you to heal you. So that's the very, It's this whole process is, is, is hard. I'm not lying, but it's good mm-hmm. and, it's, and it takes time. It's going to take cycles of 21 days. So the second process is deep reflection where you are basically trying to track back to... Um, not necessarily back, but why am I doing this? Are
0: you studying your trends? You're
1: or? looking at your trends, your patterns. Okay. So the first thing is to start is to take, okay, this I'm depressed. This is an emotional warning signal. My yeah. body's got physical warning signals. Mm-hmm. So you're embracing the emotional and physical warning signals from the environment and from yourself. You're then thinking about these. Okay, so why am I always... Negative, or why am I always depressed? Why am I anxious? And as you go through that process of self reflection, you're getting to the point where you're not, where you're just trying to find get to, it's it's day every day it's a little bit, to the point where you find, okay, well maybe, this is at the end of 21 days, you see, oh, I'm anxious because I'm actually trying to be a perfectionist. I'm trying to control everything in my environment um, and it's not quite working out. Or maybe it's because there's a trauma that you've never dealt with. Mm-hmm. You've kept yourself so busy trying to suppress the trauma that it's actually made you, whatever, it's gonna be different for everyone. There's no yep. pattern, uh, there's no link between if I've had sexual trauma and heart disease or something people have tried to do that they've tried to show that if you've got a gallbladder issue it's anger this is just not science at all this is just guessing games because someone who's angry could have gallbladder issues and they could have a cardiovascular issue it, it's different for each person it's so our genome is unique
0: our I'm liking eye factors is unique gather then you have reflect pain then What's
1: third? the third thing is we've got to genetically process so what we've got to do is we've got to make our brain do stuff we've got to write the third process is right when you write you're clearing out a lot of um and and when i say write, it's like literally throw it on the page because you'll see my my sequence that i've developed you literally spend a minute and a half to two minutes doing each of these so you would gather for a minute and a half you would reflect for a minute and a half you would write for a minute and a half a little bit longer if you want to and um, then you would recheck now recheck is a process where you go back and look for your patterns your triggers your your, your what does this mean so if you think of it I've become aware of something going on negative half glass worry anxiety whatever I am reflecting why am I feeling I'm starting to get to the root because it's only a minute and a half and you must move on mm-hmm. you're writing that down so maybe a bunch of jumble that you write down your recheck looks at your jumble and tries to get some level of order your then you go to you get as you get that level of order you say okay what's my little tiny task for today and it may be as simple as when I feel this anxiety coming on I'm going to I'm going to compartmentalize it and I'm going to only worry about it tonight at six o'clock so it could be a simple statement like That's that. That's pillar number four that's that's number four leading to number five so number four is recheck so I see that I'm always worrying in certain situations mm-hmm. but in a minute and a half there's only a little bit of information you've gathered which is the point you must only get a bit every day not everything every day we can't solve it all Rome was not built in a day it's little things change over time we try and fix it quick you can't get there it's a process you have to dig it out of your non it's a deep investigative detective process that you're doing mm-hmm. so let's say now that you start seeing okay I'm worrying because of this one negative, and I'm starting to get a glimpse of, well, maybe it could be this, or maybe. So, what can I do today as so a little activity active, activity. Okay. activity? active reach, activity, active reach. Got it. And active reach is then if I see that. If let's take the worrying thing, I just I wake up and I'm worrying. I just, that's like the day I'm stuck. It's getting so I say, okay, I'm aware that I'm worrying. That all I've all I've worked out today. It's day one. I've just worked out that I that I actually never stop worrying. So, cool, what's my act of reach? I, if, as I worry, as that hits me in the, fa- in the face, I'm going to say, okay, this worry I can't deal with now, I'm going to deal with tonight. So now it's 6 o'clock in the morning, I'll deal with it at 6 o'clock tonight. As you go through the day, the it is that, but also what happens is you take the energy away from the worry. Now, you must remember that, it, well, I haven't even told you this much clearly, but every thought you build is a real living thing. It has energy. It's firing energy. So if I take this worry, toxic, and I say, okay, keep quiet. You're in a box. I'm not going to deal with you. And mm-hmm. you discipline yourself not to think about it. And by the time 6 o'clock tonight comes, 12 hours later, that thing's lost energy. Most likely that That's worry... That's so powerful
0: what you just said right there. Uh, uh, it, it, because um, uh, I, I talk about this with uh, a lot of guys where... You know, uh, y- your brain automatically is going to a problem, I can't believe this person said this, I can't believe we're facing this, oh my gosh, look what's going on, this is going to be so much bigger, you know, this is terrible, set it aside, six hours later, don't give it any weight, don't give it any power, six hours later you're not even thinking about okay, it. Okay, so there's
1: the science behind it. So the science is that if you, whatever you don't think about grows, so that worry and also worry. Whatever you
0: don't think about?
1: Whatever you don't think won't grow. Whatever you think about Grows. grows. So these things feed on yeah. energy. So if I keep thinking about that all day long, I'm getting myself in a toxic mess. You get stuck. That's why we have to deal with trauma, we have to deal with our habits, because they keep us stuck. Mm -hmm. We've got to get them out and change them. So if I put that by the end of the evening, this thing is lost worry, or even tomorrow or once uh, once a week, you can have your little worry. Mac always talks about having a little, my husband, he has like, he's in his mind mentally there's a little worry book and Thursday afternoon at four o'clock worry book time, everything goes in that book. He allows himself one day a week to worry about it. And by the time he gets there, it doesn't happen anymore. Now what's happening scientifically is that research shows that 95% of our worries don't materialize anyway. So by the time we get there in the afternoon or next week or whenever it is that you decide to worry, you actually, it's lost its power over you. And so that's just a little technique and that's typical of an active reach. Now what I did with my patients is I developed this technique, it's been clinically tested, scientifically researched, clinically applied, was put it in my materials, but we've just released an app now where I've put this because people have been asking me for years. I don't do therapy anymore, I don't have time, I teach this around the world. So now I've put all of this into a mobile app. So on your phone, you know, mobile application. So it's literally therapy where I walk you called switch. Switch? Switch. Switch. Literally switch. Switch your mind. Switch. We're going to put the link
0: below uh, if you're watching this. We're going to put the link below for the app so you can go download it and uh, test it for yourself. So it's Switch.
1: Switch. It's called iTunes, Google Play, all okay. of it. And that basically walks you through these five steps, all audio-driven. And then I have little things on there, like if you're having a panic attack, like maybe you're about to go in a meeting, you can press play and there'll be can a guided meditation. Can we talk about that? Let's, let's, what let's talk
0: like. about that. We'll yeah. the they're yeah. going to get the app. Our guys sure. will download the app. Let's, let's talk about that. So, so next thing. So for me, uh, uh, a few things that you see a lot that's coming up recently is all the medication that we've been asked to take, right? I have kids and i already you know how the meeting goes. You know, your son uh, doesn't uh, really pay attention in the class and he's kind of struggles with, you know, being a, a present and he's always dozing off and he's going different places. And I say, yeah, that's my son. He reminds me a little bit of myself when I was that age. So from, from your perspective, whether we're dealing with bipolar, ADHD, depression, panic, how much of that is part of our perception, which is how we're born? I'm born being bipolar. I'm born having ADHD. How much of it is uh, imagination? I think I have this. How much of it is somebody else imposing that belief on you? And how much of it is real? Uh, what would you say, Monsanto? Excellent question. Yeah.
1: Okay, so now we're dealing with something cool that falls in the realm of mental illness. And it's a complete misnomer because we told that mental illness, number one, to answer your question, is on the rise and that we've got more and more kids that need to be Mm -hmm. identified with all these, these bipolar, et cetera, et cetera. But actually mental illness is not on the rise. What's happened is we have mismanagement of mind that has created a whole new problem. So what we have an issue here is that mental illness doesn't actually exist. Now hear me carefully. I'm not saying that depression isn't real. I am saying it's incredibly real schizophrenia psychotic breaks bipolar these things are very real but they're not illnesses they're not physical illnesses in your brain you don't have bipolar waiting to jump out and adhd waiting to jump out and which is where the neurobiological or neuro reductionistic biomedical neuropsychiatric model which is all these names for the same thing are going what the truth is is that you're 99 mind we have to deal with that 99% mind, which is how you are dealing with what you're going through in life, as its own separate category. When we talk about the physical brain and body, you have we can test if you've got cardiovascular disease, if you've got diabetes, if you've got a traumatic brain injury where you're in a car accident and we see if you've got tumors in your brain, if you've got liver disease, if you've got fatty liver disease, whatever, we can do biological tests where we can blood test, we can do various different tests to identify and treat. It works, that's called the biomedical model and it works for the physical brain and body. It's excellent. However, in this, in about 60 years ago, in and it really hit in the 80s, that whole category got blended and people's mind issues stopped being called mind issues and started being called illnesses. Against many scientists, and and being anti that but a movement began because it's not accurate because you can't call something why does something
0: why why did it go from you know, uh, okay. uh, illness. Is it because the business part and the medication business is part, a big business big part. part. Okay. So in Got the
1: mid so in, in the fifties, Thorazine was the first psychotropic to be developed. A psych- what was that? Thorazine. Chlorpram- okay. call, that's other name is chlorpromazine. Okay. So that is an antipsychotic. It's called an antipsychotic, misnamed an antipsychotic. It's an anesthetic. Anaesthet- so what it did was it calmed people down. So what we had in the fifties, more or less, this first drug came out. It was used. Mean, people with mind issues have always been badly handled. There's a historic We've just done bad job. There's been pockets of good things that have been done in between, but in general, people's mind issues have not been handled well. Um, but in in the in the fifties, this drug was developed, and they took, they gave, they actually gave it by mistake to some patients in a mental asylum and they seemed to calm down and they became more manageable. And so gave birth to this the psychiatric drug industry. And by the mid eighties, we had Prozac. Um, then we had the second generation drug. But before we know it, we had antipsychotics, antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, the famous um, you know, Librium and Xanax, and these things that are now household names and every second person is on some sort of drug. So what we have is an industry that was given birth to called the psychotropic drug industry. And it was basically very financially driven. And I mean, all, everything I say, I can back up scientifically and there's hundreds of scientists, thousands actually, that, that and you'll find references in all my work. So essentially what we have is an industry that says, okay, if you're feeling sad, depressed, up and down, psychotic breaks, can't cope, et cetera, you are ill. So therefore um, you need a drug because if you're ill, like you have cardiovascular, you need a drug. So they had a theory, a a guy a few years ago, just after clopramazine or whatever, he said, well, maybe it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. And so the hunt began to see, ah, it's in the brain. And it became a whole thing where you've got to find a neurobiological correlate for the disease so they then shifted everything from you as a human in life going through the scenarios that we spoke about in the beginning going through whatever scenario going to war going to whatever everything life the human condition people in life that was taken out of the equation you your eye factor your experience your narrative your story your context your life taken away and you were seen if you were sad or depressed for longer than two weeks because you've just lost someone ever you're not, your story, that didn't count. What counts is that you're feeling sad, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is not at all statistical or scientific. I know the people involved in the development, I know a lot about the DSM, and it's not a scientific manual. It's good for firewood, and that's about it.
0: You it, really mean that? You I really I totally
1: that. mean it. Not, not even believe in It's good it. for Science. firewood. It's good for firewood, doorstop firewood, but definitely not to label and limit people. Because what we're doing there is we're taking the concept of, if you have fatty liver disease, we've got a diagnostic category. We can fix it, we can, they've tried to do that with mind. Now let me ask you this, if you have just lost your wife, I'll give you a classic example. I was in teaching in the St. Thomas Islands just recently doing a, men, I do a lot of mental health conferences okay. all over the world. And um, this woman came up to me after me teaching on mind and brain, all the stuff that I teach on. And she, she had just lost her husband in the previous hurricane in 2017. Her husband's head was severed literally in front of her from the hurricane breaking, you know, hitting the whatever, through whatever building. I'm, I don't know the exact details. All I know is that she was there and she lost her husband. She's young, young mom. You can imagine the trauma. Mm-hmm. You never get over that. Number one, that trauma you never get over. And Let me say that you don't get over trauma. You don't get over grief you get through it. So you don't get over it, you don't get through it, you learn how to move forward through it. And we shouldn't take that away because that is her story. This woman came up to me after the session and she said, Dr. I I wanna tell you. And she was smiling, I'm thinking, this is some great story she's gonna, and she proceeded to tell me the story. Instead, she was sent to a doctor after this because she was obviously, I mean, I wouldn't, how do you cope? Was something like that, the doctor said you've got bipolar, you've got a clinically you've you clinically de- not bipolar, you clinically depressed. You need an antidepressant. She said, I am not clinically depressed. I do not have an illness. I have just lost my husband. Her pastor of her church, whatever, gave, gave her one of my books, which was, I mean, this is the story she told me, and she said she decided to start doing that five steps that I've just done, and she processed and went through and experienced her grief. She she cried, she screamed, she shouted, she saw, you have to freak out in that zone. You have to get, once you acknowledge, I'm in grief, this is my story. I'm not going to, ma- this is not an illness, that's an insult, to tell someone who has been through war or grief or a child who's bullied or a child who's battling to learn, who needs to. To just be helped to learn, or maybe who's been given a decent diet or who's been bullied at school and who's having an emotional reaction. Is it fair to tell that person, here's a label, you have ADHD. ADHD is not even a scientific category. I've worked in learning disabilities for 25 years in my practice and done research in this area. Two to 17% of people have a learning disability from a birth trauma or something going on in the womb or some kind of a head injury. We have a 70 to 77% plus going up referral rate for people with ADD. Every second person's got ADHD, including adults. It's not even a real thing. What we have is a society that's very busy, we're designed to do busy well, but people aren't managing technology, we're not managing our mind. We have been told as a society, which is where we started this discussion, literally at the beginning, we've been told as a society that you are your brain. Your brain is controlling you, so therefore bipolar is in your brain and you are not ill. You don't believe that? Not at all. Bipolar is going to move through your brain. So now this woman has grief. She's seen her husband's head sliced off. She's in terrible trauma from that and from the fact that Mm. she's lost her husband. That experience went through her brain. So obviously there's a toxic thought in her brain. That's a toxic experience. That is a trauma. It's an involuntary trauma because as a human, everything you process goes in your brain. It becomes a structure, you change your brain. You're always growing your brain, that's neuroplasticity. Your brain structure's changing every moment of every day. So of course she had that. Of course her heart was affected, she nearly died from from, from cardiovascular issues because of the fact that your heart is impacted through, so in other words, your brain and body, of course they're gonna respond. Of course you're gonna have physical, of course you need a medical doctor to help man- monitor. I had a lady the other day at a conference I did. She's wearing a heart monitor. She just lost her husband. She's not coping. She's really battling. They've put. She's had a couple of th- almost heart attacks. So now she walks around with her. So yes, your brain and body will respond. So we will see the effects of trauma in your brain, we, and some people it will be in mood swings, some people it will be complete withdrawal, mm-hmm. but depression, bipolar, anxiety, these are so real, they're the 99%, we need to give them more attention.
0: So are you saying if I don't have, if, if John doesn't uh, uh, have any symptoms of bipolar, a traumatic, a traumatic experience to him could give him symptoms of what a doctor could consider him not having bipolar, him not being bipolar. Well,
1: well basically these certain questions that are asked
0: and you know what I'm asking, yes, so yes, I, yeah. I've never been diagnosed, I've been a regular kid, I'm good, I fall in love with a girl, we marry each other, one day we're walking, she uh, uh, slips, uh, somebody comes up, they shoot her right in front of me, dies they miss me I watch her die right in front of me I can't do anything about it for the rest of my life I feel guilty can I go from being normal prior to that to afterwards now I got some kind of symptoms where a psychologist could say I think you got certain issues here
1: okay so what we need to do is acknowledge what that person has gone through. That person has a story. That What you've just described is a person's story. That's the 99% of what they've experienced. We need to validate that by hearing them, by listening to them. We invalidate that by saying, you have an illness of clinical depression. We
0: invalidate that by saying that, okay. You see what I'm saying? You've taken, you've thrown the
1: yeah. 99% away and you it. said it's only yeah. the 1%. I'm not going to validate your experience unless I can tell you you have a brain illness. You do not have a neuropsychiatric brain disease, you have a a terrible trauma, and we need to listen to you. We need to help you. You need community. You need a crutch. Let scream, me ask you, let me, let me
0: be the devil's advocate in this. How much of that can also be used by somebody to use that as a crutch to say, This is why I'm not doing that well in life? Well, people, because, yeah. you know, this is why I'm also, come and on, people just do understand. that. That's what I'm people saying, do so that. They get stuck.
1: You? you have to reconceptualize. So when I talk about the five steps and I talk about acknowledging, you know, that gather, um, think, write, recheck, and active reach what you're doing there is you're reconceptualizing so you're changing so here you've gone through the trauma this woman who went through the seeing her husband's head severed. she now does grief counseling for people that are going through grief so she still has days where she cries and breaks down she's a human it's the human condition it's a response to the suffering of life We, we can't medicalize misery patrick we can't pathologize pain emotional pain trauma these are stories that are part of your suffering they're kind of your The the Japanese have a beautiful principle called kintsugi. Have you ever heard of it? Okay, it's brilliant. If a vase drops or a beautiful porcelain pot, and it shatters all over the ground, most people just sweep it away and throw it away. What we see, what they do is they actually rebuild that, how long it takes, they rebuild the whole pot and they use a lacquer filled with gold and platinum. So they rebuild something beautiful with, with the, the gold showing the what it's, the, the damage. Mm-hmm. So in other words, that's what we come, we reconceptualize. So now this woman with the grief, she has a, a pot, she's a pot of gold. She's rebuilt her life, but the pain is still there. We don't want to not acknowledge. She remembers the pain, but she's now managing the pain by moving forward, by helping others, by not just me, myself and I. She's got to have periods of me, myself and I, but you've got to have balance that yeah. with periods of going out of yourself. So you have to reconceptualize, which means redesign, see it Have your, it's okay to grieve, you should grieve. Do you know what the DSM says? If you, that woman, after two weeks, if she didn't, if she was was still grieving, she now has an illness. You tell me you're gonna grieve the rest of your life if that happened to your wife. You're never gonna get through grief. The worst thing you can say to someone who is grieving is time will heal, time does not heal. You'll get over it, you will not get over it. You don't believe that? No, you will learn to live with it. That's very different. What's the toughest
0: thing you've ever experienced, you?
1: Um, attempted suicide in our family by a very close family member, which is and it was unsuccessful, but it was. How many years ago was it? Horrific. That? Four years ago.
0: Four years ago.
1: I've had a, a, my eldest daughter nearly died of bulimia. I mean, how, I'm in the how, what field. What did that
0: do to you when you, you had it? die. Experience?
1: In the moment, you literally, you, as a parent, you completely, like, how do you cope with something like that? You, It's devastating, but you have a choice because I have to stay strong and wise for my kids. So I freaked out, I cried, I swore, I did whatever, but I had a sense of peace in me that I will be strong and I will be there and I will mm. help my child through. So I didn't suppress it. I didn't go into a state where I couldn't cope anymore and got died. Cause those tab- Those medications, antidepressants, etc. Those don't heal anything. They damage the brain, so people experience a period of help because they numb the brain. So if I'm in a place where I, where you've got that grief for your husband or whatever, your child nearly dying of bulimia, or whatever you, whatever, dwarf trauma, you're in a bad place. And some and, and what they do those those drugs will numb the pain because sometimes the pain's too much. But you know what, we have to be brave. We have to allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to go through the pain. And we can't do it alone. Patty, this is the other thing. What we see from science is that as a as a family, we pulled together when my when my daughter went through that that, that terrible time. Um, when that woman went through the grief with her husband, she had a community. As soon as I reach out to you and listen to you, your brain changes. You know that you, you switch on, you actually switch on a genetic switch in your brain that increases your resilience when you're in community. You also change how your neurotransmitters flow. Your entire body works for you instead of against you. The blood will dilate, you'll have more blood in your brain and oxygen in your brain. 1400 neurophysiological responses will work for you. In that state, even in the midst of your screaming, shouting, crying, swearing, going crazy, expressing, going from highs to lows, which is all normal, you have got this inner strength that's that's happening when you realise that, okay, I give myself permission to go through this and and I'm going to do it, I'm not going to be alone. No one can fix you, no one can take your pain away, but I can hold your hand. And that's what we need to do, it's like the Lord of the Rings. Frodo, Sam said to Frodo I can't carry the ring into Mount Doom but I can carry you and this is what how we have to manage mental health we have to allow people to embrace and process and we have to do it in community yeah, not medicate that, not drug not, so do not you medicating. have Do you have
0: for 25 years you practice do 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 you have the ability to prescribe me any medication? No, I time? don't
1: prescribe. I'm not a prescribing physician.
0: You're not. <laughs> no. Do you have the ability to tell me go see Dr. Jones? She can prescribe yep. you Zolaf. She can prescribe you Ritalin. She can prescribe Except you. I would never tell I
1: would never kill you like that. So you
0: never in your life
1: never recommended recommend recommend it. It, ever. No, I actually put people on withdrawal programs to get off the drugs. Those drugs increase your chance of dementia. They have no positive effects except numbing effects. So the only time that I would indicate, let's say someone is now in that midst of that trauma and they they, they are freaking out. Maybe someone's like threatening to do something dangerous. Um, Maybe 24 hour sedation. But then you've got to, but not longer than that because these drugs are addictive. They're drugs, they're not medicine. They're not healing your body. They're damaging they're drugs. your body. They're not medicine. They're not medicine. Powerful statement it's right there. very, very That's different.
0: That's a powerful statement. They
1: set you up for the dementias. They have three thousand plus wow. side effects, yeah. and all the clinical trials have actually been have shown that they're not effective. they cherry pick. They yeah. take out and they say they worked over placebo. They did not. It's not the accurate truth. The public hasn't been presented with the truth.
0: Obviously, I know a lot of these because in my world, I, I have a lot of peers. That we talk openly. Whether it's lorazepam, you know, Adderall. You know, Adderall is a very big thing now nowadays people are getting hooked on Adderall very early on from high school oh, this guy can't pay attention to school here takes some Adderall. Yeah, yeah. It on just drives drugs. me nuts how it's early they started, how yep, early they're Xanax in the womb. Say that again.
1: They are doing they are, they are uh, medicating babies in the womb. They are saying that from a brain scan that this baby is potentially going to get depressed. Yeah that's how the, that's how the public what have been lied to. About? It's financially driven. The kids as young as two. Who,
0: who, who's uh, doing that? Doctors They're...
1: are doing this around the globe. Yeah. It's the worst in the United States of America. <laughs> you know you can't also the other thing is you can't just like these guys you're talking about, you can't just stop these drugs. Because as every drug you yeah. put in your mouth, your brain changes. You grow things in your brain when you take an antidepressant and antipsychotic crazy? It, you, you actually grow structures in your brain that, that the, damage your brain.
0: The guy behind me, the one that yours, uh, your husband was talking about how uh, uh, the Shah, at uh, one time was interviewed mm-hmm. on BBC, he says the difference between us and the West is the West is, you know, uh, wasting life by taking way too many sleeping pills. And he said this in 76, he talked about it. Exactly. So it's like, you know, you're you're putting yourself through your problem by just medicating yourself, not even thinking about it's the problem. It's numbing,
1: numbing the brain. Numbing
0: your brain to not even go through the problem. So let, let me go through that, something
1: else. I, can I show you an sure. analogy just yeah. to what you said? Okay, so this is a festering wound. When you think and feel and choose, you cause genetic expression, you grow stuff in your brain. That's what we're doing now. We've been talking about this. If you have a toxic issue and you haven't dealt with it, you have this thing. The proteins are all folded weirdly. The uh, electrical chemical balance is wrong. It's all dangerous. Here's a slide uh, to show you what it looks like there. It's actually, it's not a hole, it's actually toxicity. This is like a virus. So if I don't deal with this, if I just medicate, that medication grows extra things around this area that make it worse. So when the, num- when the numbing effect wears off, I've got this, and I've got now extra things here that make my brain, and that's aggressions, it'll manifest in feelings of worse depression, aggression, etc. Then if you just put the medication back on, or say positive affirmation and happiness industry, you're just slapping a band-aid on. The wound is still festering. Eventually, it'll burn all the way through. We have to get it out. And research shows as soon as we get it out in the conscious, as soon as you gather, it weakens. See how this is shaking? You actually weaken it. You weaken the bonds, which means you can redesign it. Very powerful.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, a, a brilliant concept next question people have faced different challenges in their lives okay you just talked about suicide I've experienced exact similar situation to where I had to call the cops they came they took the person went to the hospital because there was too many calls of suicide at one point this person took 17 sleeping pills at the same time and said hey I love you I said this is too many calls I just called boom go pick them up went straight to the hospital I went to visit the person Very close family messes with your head because you're always worried about this person killing you, Mm -hmm. killing themselves, Mm -hmm. and you don't have any control over it, right? So, we got loss of a loved one. We're pretty much all going to experience this. The Mm -hmm. longer we live, we're going to experience it. The Mm -hmm. tough part is a different loss of a loved one is burying your parents versus burying your child. Exactly. It's a different kind of a pain. Mm -hmm. From your experience, if you don't mind, if I go through these, you give me 15, 30 seconds per, because if we go longer, we'd be here for a long time. Per (laughs) this, you've sat with a lot of people. What have the immediate pain been for people that have experienced this if you don't know if you haven't experienced something like this just say pass You know we'll go to the next person or it's the same thing. What's loss of a loved one been from a a Parent burying their kids
1: Total and as a trauma they're going to go into trauma the parent is that what you're looking for? Yes, yeah, you're going to go into trauma and that in itself is not it's trauma It's and it's real and people have to learn to move forward through it So that's not ever going to go away and that's what we need to give people permission to keep that because then grief eventually becomes a point where you can actually take the trauma and remember the good times and that's been my experience working with people that have lost a child to suicide or early death for whatever reason is that there's initially all the stages you go through anger the denial the hate you have to allow the process and that's you have to right? yeah. very. Yeah. We, we've got to get people to, the sooner you actually experience the pain you learn to then manage the pain the and the sooner not mean pro-
0: what the sooner you
1: cry scream sit down with the people don't try and block that we in a day and an age where it's okay you're in pain let me numb it let's get you sleeping tablets you can't sleep it's better to stay awake all night Mm -hmm. crying and cry that i'll talk it i'll have people around you holding you just holding you that physical contact and then every day it will get a little better but if you don't if you just shove that away with drugs You, it, the rest of your life,
0: ha, has, has, uh,
1: and then transform that. I've got to say one thing, sure. you've got to transform. At some point, like that woman whose husband's head got severed, she transformed that pain into activity with people, deep meaningful connection. She counsels people with grief now. Tia Kyle said the
0: same thing as well, when she lost her husband from a shooting. Yeah, you so, hear that consistently. So, so how about uh, from all of these? I, I think based on the answer you give, it may be the same answer for all of them. Divorce, separation, similar answer. You would similar. say trauma is wrong. Yes, anything
1: about divorce, if I may say, because sure. there's the connection, because there's the whole connection between a husband and wife and the sexual connection, everything, there's a lot of these physical, two particles in quantum physics. So as soon as they put in relationship, they, no matter how far apart, they're always in relationship. That's what quantum physics is like. There's always a what? There's, there's al- always a relationship. Even Once though you're you separated. Yes. So what you've got here is now you've got the severing of a relationship. So now we've got this this weird re- thing. So it has to be healed. So that's why how do you it's hear so that? important. It's through communication, through talking, through if, with if, each other. If it's possible. If it's not possible because the person is hurting, you know, there's abuse or something like that, or um, you know, if it's, it's too traumatic, oh. then counselling with other people that you. Get to a point where you can forgive forgiveness is vital because it isolates otherwise this this is the toxic divorce there is we can see a physical thing there's a quantum energy connection so there's an invisible connection so if you don't forgive even if you're the victim you still stay connected so by forgiveness we sever that we sever that connection and that's vital in divorce Um, any kind of trauma even if someone's raped you you've got to get to the point where you forgive you're not forgiving what they've done what they did is unforgivable, but you forgiving from you, because now you can sever and you can heal. All that will control you the rest of your life, so you've got to seal this thing off and redesign it. Does that make sense? Yeah, of
0: course. Close call. Okay. If I, I, was, I almost died. It really messed with my head. If okay. somebody had a close call of dying,
1: yeah oh, okay. a war, oh, okay. something Sorry. Happened, so almost, you, somebody
0: almost killed me, gun was held to my head, we were bombed, and I almost died. I'm shocked. It stays with me. Certain uh, sirens always triggers things.
1: PTSD. So you got, you know, there, there's a. So it's not a illness. It is a response. So bipolar, PTSD, all these things. These are just umbrella terms, descriptions for the underlying thing. In this case, you would experience the reaction you're experiencing. Your whole body. It was embodied in your body. So your brain built the network. Your body embodied it. And then there's the trigger. So what you have to do is learn to manage the triggers. And that's a matter of as you see them happening, write it down. Put it in your whatever and then you can eventually learn to manage those triggers what will also happen in those near-death experiences is very often tremendous insight into your spiritual nature grab and run with that because that will grow you as a person and you've you find that with people that have gone through those
0: sexual abuse
1: sexual abuse is I an mean, invade complete invasion it starts with acknowledgement very often it's suppressed because of the guilt and the shame that surrounded it you know the me too movements helped a lot but for male and female um, there's too much the shame has locked people in if we have a society that's more open to allowing us to express how we feel we're in a society that doesn't allow us to express we need to be able to express when you talk it's the same thing you can you've got to get it out you've got to process and then you've got to forgive so you've got to do that forgiveness it's 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 that five-step process I
0: was, you know, this person was a kid. Hey, I was only six years old when it happened. I was 12 years old. What kind of control do I have over it?
1: Nothing until later on. And very often it only manifests in a relationship later on. You can find that, you know, very often you'll find in a relationship or in a behavioral issue, maybe early on. So if it's picked up early on, that there's a change in behavior in a child through play therapy, very often that can be picked up. And then it's a matter of helping children to build a feeling of safety. And then it's as they're getting older, once they get into a relationship, it's, it's gonna come back again. And then it's being, Creating an environment, very open, like we've done with our kids in our home, is to talk about stuff. But it takes a lot of time. What you've got to do is create an openness in homes amongst parents and children and in society where all of us are experiencing trauma. It's the human condition. You're not different because you're depressed. You're not different because you're sexually abused. Everyone has got a story. And more people are abused than should be. It's very high numbers. But society doesn't allow us to talk about it. So it's an open
0: with with a safe community to be able to talk about that I, I can important. see that so how about the uh, uh, lo- loss of uh, 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 relevance beauty fame you were popular you were attractive now you've lost it you used to be the one that everybody gave you attention you used to be very popular you've lost that So you went from being the face and now you're no longer you got a lot of attention how do you deal with that
1: okay so first of all we have to go and ask ourselves See, if, it's, if it's totally thrown you then we've taken that external and we've taken the external and we've put it on us and that's given us our feeling of success but our identity is kind of lost so true success is not that that wasn't really success actually point. wasn't even successful at all Sure. true success, success is
0: ch- if success changes you you you're, you're your identity wasn't strong in the first place.
1: True success is if you've got nothing and you still feel a sense of peace in the midst of the crisis. Mm -hmm. So it comes from internal. It's a spiritual thing right there. It's very spiritual spiritual and it's it's internal. It's intrinsic versus extrinsic. And we're in an extrinsically dominated society. Here's a weird
0: one. Let's see what you're going to say to this. I had a friend of mine who used to go to a Catholic church. And the guy that ran the church, the priest, was respected by everybody. And one day he flipped. And he says, you know what, I got three women here in the church that I've been seeing, and uh, I'm not who you think I am, and I have no desire to become uh, the religious leader that you base me on. What would John do? What would Bobby do? What would Larry do? How, how do you manage? I've had so many friends that are like, look, I used to belong to a church. One day the pastor got up we so we're called. One day the pastor got up, he said this. How do you how
1: do you deal with that? Well, we we putting people on pedestals, and we all it's it's a level playing field. We've got to stop doing that. There's this whole thing. I'm a leader. So I'm perfect. You know, if someone what we should be doing is embracing that priest's honesty, that he actually has been put in a box of that wow. celibacy. We should embrace the honesty and say, at least he's actually come out and he's actually been honest. And yeah. I would. Go and that just, angle.
0: There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Oh, it's uh, all over. Yeah, there's a lot of that with that. Because
1: you put people in boxes and they can't live up to it. Identity kills people. People, More suicides happen from people's lack of identity than anything else. And if, then, you, if, you're, if you're not valued, if you're not you valued, if you're not valued, what have you got to live?
0: Exactly. With? That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Public humiliation. Mm-hmm. You had a massive public humiliation moment. Nowadays, it happens on social media, you had a mm. screw up. You posted a picture. Mm-hmm and boom, re- reappears 12 years. Ago. I totally forgot I posted it on Facebook 12 years ago. I can't believe I did that. You know, I, I had an incident at my uh, company. Uh, Something happened, people saw what I did. Very embarrassing moment. How do you handle that? You I can't would, control it. I, I got it just, att- just yesterday. I sat with a person, a very successful person. She said, can I talk to you privately? Pulled me aside. I said, yes. My brother's girlfriend, fiance, is a very famous online celebrity okay so I said okay so I look at the person is I know who this person is I've seen the face before mm-hmm. okay this person posted uh, uh, something that was not supposed to happen everybody came after her she lost 70 80% she, she took a big hit okay wow. mm-hmm. because her entire image that she was selling it flipped and it was a like, wait a minute you're talking about not shaming you just shame this individual mm-hmm. She doesn't know how to come back from this major public humiliation that he had because she humiliated somebody else. How do you handle that?
1: So, from her perspective?
0: From You made a big screw up. She knows she screwed up. Yeah. And she is now humiliated publicly because it's out there. There's nothing she can do about it.
1: Easy answer. What's Honesty. that? Honesty. I made a mistake. And that's, people will still slam you, but that is absolute the vulnerability the of, I did, used yeah. to think like this and I've changed because of this. People respect that more than ever. I said that earlier on about Henry Markram, as a great scientist, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things about him was his ability to say, I was in the wrong direction, I'm going in another direction. It's honestly, it's fine. And we change, yep. we change as humans, and we make mistakes. Isn't those with, the, tell me one person who hasn't made a mistake and if we start owning up to our mistakes you're not going to have the pride issues that we see so just if you make a mistake and you've heard someone say sorry and be honest
0: my daughter's never made a mistake exactly she's the one not not yet (laughs) not yet but uh, no no, obviously that's a whole thing she makes a lot of mistakes and she's famous that she screams so loud the entire neighborhood shuts down when this girl screams at well, three years old. Well, she's getting it
1: out. Good for her. <laughs> yeah,
0: more power. I, mean, I tell you, she's it's gonna not be going her in her I body. Say, Listen, man, you're going to sing one day. Let's let's do something. There with we them. go. It is it's not it going
1: is. in her body. She's getting it
0: out. Parenting and relationships—the last thing I want to do—and then we can wrap up from here. Is um, men who are raised with a bad relationship with mother don't make good spouses. Okay, you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Women who are raised without having a father figure end up becoming dot dot dot. Right. Mm-hmm how much truth is there behind that
1: can i answer the same one that i did earlier on nature nurture I factor so you can have two people two kids in the same home that have experienced that kind of whatever either of those scenarios and one will go into a good relationship one won't go into a good relationship so, so once irrelevant. again it's about it's definitely affects nurturing does affect and there's definitely going to be issues so the yeah. one that does succeed in their relationship there's going to be things that they're going to do that need to be dealt with the whole thing here is embrace the emotional warning signals. It's one of the biggest things that I taught all my patients and I say all the time is, listen to the emotional and physical warning signals of your body, which I've been doing in my clinical research as well. And once you train yourself to do that, you can then bring that into your, see where it's like if you, like you have great marriage, but you've got this one issue. The other person's divorced five times because of the parenting issue. So the one who's in the good marriage, but they've got this issue, Face the issue, deal with it, use the signals that are coming, the feedback, the emotional ones, the physical ones, and make the changes.
0: Fair enough. Uh, th- this one's another one that I'm curious on what you'll say about this. You know, I watch how people are raised, okay? And sometimes, like, um, I interview Stephen A. Smith, and Stephen A. Smith is a very famous sports announcer. I mean, he's incredible, sports mm-hmm. an- analyst, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. He's incredible. He works at ESPN. He's pretty much the face of ESPN. When he talks, people listen, okay? So I said, how'd you become the way you are today? He says, my mother never let me make an excuse. Every time something bad happened, he says, she says, what could you have done differently? He's black. He says, my mother never let me use my color as an excuse. She never let me once use race, never let me use this, never. Mm-hmm. So I like, okay, interesting. Never. And anybody who does, I see how... He talking about how Oprah Winfrey now. This is this person's like this because of this. This person killed somebody because of this. Says I am not this. You killed somebody. You killed somebody. You did this. You did this. Okay, flip that. Obviously, you see a guy like this that went straight to the top. Sometimes I see, you know, the 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 parenting philosophy, and see if there's any uh, research you've done on this. Of my son is perfect. He can't do anything wrong. There's no way in the world. My son? No way. He's he's perfect. This kid is incredible. You know, my grandson is incredible. My daughter, no way in the world. He didn't do the wrong. It's probably the teacher. It's probably somebody else. What kind of effect does that have on a kid when parents are pitching this kid to be perfect? What does it do to us psychologically?
1: Mm, they setting them up to really experience some not, uh, hard knocks and hopefully that child is going to, as they go through the hard knocks, they'll learn the lessons and not perpetuate that that cycle of thinking because that's one of those you know, those genetic, epigenetic things that come through that is has been woken up and that could continue down the genera- down the line. But those, they, they're pretty much setting their kids up to have real Why hard knocks. Why is that? Because it's not realistic because you can't control anyone's choices. You cannot control events and circumstances and you cannot control other people's choices. You can only control your own reactions which is your own thinking feeling and choosing
0: which is your I still don't get that though but so, okay, so, I, so I'm, I'm pitching I'm presenting my kid to be you're so perfect you can't this is an incredible this is the most incredible human being I met in my life you know you're so special you're amazing you're awesome he doesn't make mistakes how does that affect me negatively because isn't that a good thing to say that to my kids
1: no you don't want to say that to your kids all the time because it's not realistic it's not a realistic thing because they you love them for who they are but you're setting a standard and they're going to think well if i do any if i fail which is every day you're going to make some mistake you're going to feel guilt and you're never going to measure up to that so you're always going to have an invalid mm, se- self-esteem
0: you, you will never measure up to the no, perfection you're, you're that are, you were presented exactly so your we'll, like identity po-
1: is affected your identity is effective you're setting yourself wow okay
0: C- could it have an real. impact of wanting to, a lack of commitment every time commitment gets a little bit too close to the business myself?
1: Even mm-hmm. suicidal because of not being recognized, valued for who you are. Humans are designed to be valued. I need to value you for you. Huh. I need to value my child, despite the choices that they make. Even if I don't agree with a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them, they are going to make choices that I don't so, agree with or that are wrong. But I still value who they are. So identity. think tentative. me
0: telling you you're perfect is a form of judgment?
1: it is because i've got to measure now up to what you wow. think is what you think wow. is perfection
0: wow you
1: know wow what what's That's what's different to someone yeah else's i mean
0: may, but but initially it may sound like a very noble thing you're doing to Mm-mm,
1: me you're not i'm not i'm actually saying this is what i need you're filling my need you better fill my need it's very selfish
0: i like you this is this is this is this is very very good i like you so uh, have you seen the movie the pharaoh have you seen this uh, new movie that came out with yeah. the it's the, it's apparently a chinese philosophy where the grandmother has throat cancer but apparently in China, if you have an illness that you're going to die, they don't tell you about it. So they came and they mm-hmm. told her, hey, the doctor said it's a uh, terminal illness, but they came to the grandma and they said, no, you just got a bad cough. So the doctor says this lady's got three to six months to live, you know, I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing some of the facts. It yep, could be yep, a yep. month to three months to live. Six years later, she's still living mm-hmm. because she has no idea that she has throat cancer how much do you believe in that
1: oh my gosh so much Seriously? mind is 99 we right. see we yeah. see with the work that we do directly yeah. in my, my clinical team and the research we do we see that um, that if your mind is being managed yeah. and you have a mindset that is one of um seeing opportunities learning all the stuff we've been speaking about that mind will control the body because the mind controls the body so we see people that are on medication for cancer uh, People that have got these diagnoses and they live beyond because of their attitude, their state of mind. Now, that could, that could come from someone not telling you or you hear it but you just, you're just you not going to, my mindset such mm. that I'm going to make it. You hear people that go through chemo, they have very mild chemo and they get so many side effects. Other people that get heavy chemo, no side effects. Drugs, medication, medication is, is only as effective as you believe it's effective. Is
0: that perception?
1: Perception. Is that also factor. part of back to perception? Factor. Yes, it drives the effectiveness. Got it. this what you're thinking right now are driving your genome? Your genome is in every cell. So, how you're functioning physically, you, yeah. you, you're making 810,000 cells every second. The quality is based on your perception, your eye factor, your mind, this think, feel, choose thing.
0: Do you think there's a genius in all of us?
1: I do. I do believe that. And it's different.
0: It's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you believe there is a link between madness and success?
1: Absolutely, because what is madness? So there's definitely, you know, everyone's a little crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And then do you think there's a certain madness or philosophy or approach to raising boys versus uh, girls?
1: I hate this book. I don't agree with one word in this book.
0: You're being serious.
1: Yeah. Well, then maybe there's a few words, but this is... There's, the boys and girls are different. <laughs>
0: Tell me why. You know who he is, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think there's a lot of... Everyone's got some truth. And wow. Let me start with that. What book.
0: is the one part about the book you remember that you don't you don't like? The,
1: well, there's, there's a lot of issues but the whole thing is that it's it's almost like this it's a control there's a lot of control that this is what you have to be as opposed got to it. techniques. fair fun. enough okay
0: yeah no i i mean i i uh, there's raising up boys raising up girls bringing up boys there's a bunch of them okay
1: no this male is female cool. branding differences but we've got uh, I uh, what i always say right male because i get asked this question all the time mm-hmm. What I think is the most important thing is, first of all, the I factor, which expresses itself through maleness or femaleness. Definitely different. There's different structures, sizes in the brain, and we're different. Do you subscribe to all five love
0: languages or no?
1: That's a it's a way of understanding. I don't think it's as fixed. I think it's a it's a way of understanding things.
0: Thirty-two years you're married to your, to your mm-hmm. uh, man, right? When he starts speaking, he seems like he's got an ego. And what I mean by ego, I don't mean a negative. Yeah. He seems like he's a man's Confident, man. He doesn't yeah. seem like he's a you know, you got a strong personality. Yeah. Sometimes, strong personality gets them, the partner to be a little bit more timid and a little bit. But no, he's very mm-hmm. strong. He came, took a charge. Here's what we got. Here's mm-hmm. what we brought. Mm-hmm. So, what have you done to better communicate and deal with your husband for 32 years?
1: We have so much respect for each other. He, he's my greatest fan and I'm his greatest fan. He is at every event I uh, do. He's heard me speak for 32 years. He, so that is a huge part of it. And also we agree to disagree and we will have an argument. We'll get it out. We do don't, it once? We ne- yes, we never go to bed without, we, we made a decision at the beginning when we first started dating. We would never go to bed without resolving an argument. So if we stay up all night, we will never go to bed without saying, I love you, I'm sorry. And listening to the other side, even if it took a little screaming to get there.
0: Do you, do you put the stuff on his brain when you're talking to him just to kind of see if he's, brief, if he's paying attention or not? Like what was I that? A Q-E-E-G? What was it called? Q-E-E-G. Q- do you put that there and I says, are started. you paying attention or not? What is <laughs> exactly. going on over <laughs> here? You know? Exactly. My kids say, mom,
1: don't psychoanalyze me. You That's know? the so, part. Because yeah.
0: sometimes, you know, when you are, when you have a mother like yourself or a wife, it's uh, somebody that majors in psychology or communication, all that stuff, it's always like, hey. How do I allow it to happen without knowing over analyzing okay. certain things that the person's trying to say or well, feel? you know
1: what normally happens is they all turn it back on me and say, Mommy, you said that's there's right. a choice, you know? That's so they right. hold me accountable that's for right. what I say. That is which very is cool. good.
0: Yeah, that's very good. So look, I've really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> Thank I feel like you. it just went by very quickly. Oh, no, uh, let's talk that. about your book. Do you want to talk about your latest book that came out?
1: Yeah, that's think, learn, succeed and that I talk about um, the current situation, technology, how it's changed our thinking. I talk about 15 mindsets like a possibilities mindset and expectation and a mindset is basically how you see the day your perspective. You put up a post the other day that I use a lot, Prince William, the one finger and the three fingers. Do you remember putting that up okay i use that a lot to explain mindsets it's your perspective so this book deals a lot with how you perceive you've either got a one finger perspective for the day or not and there's 15 different perspectives that kind of set you for the day and set you for the week cool. and then i also talk in there about how you can understand the unique way that you think feel and choose i developed a profile for my patients years ago that i researched clinically and over the years and so on and I've put a very simple version of it in there there's no wrong answer there's no measurement it's simply you understanding how you uniquely think feel and choose because we've got to realize that you're different to me and when people do that you learn more effectively your relationships Mm -hmm. improve so it's really Um, exciting thing and then there's a lot about memory the five steps those five steps Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how to build your brain I focus tremendously in this book on how to build your brain because we've spoken a lot about detoxing the five steps I I said we limit it to 15 to 30 minutes a day so when you're detoxing you use the five steps because that's how Five steps are based on how the science of thought, how thought forms in your brain, what what your mind does, goes through five steps to grow thought. So you use the same five steps to break down toxic thoughts and replace them with healthy. You use the same five steps to build your brain. And every p- human is, should spend at least one to two hours a day learning new information to the level where they actually can teach it.
0: One to two hours a day same. learning new information to exactly. be able to teach it.
1: Exactly. So you could spread that across the day. You could. And if you think of how much time we waste on Facebook and Silly oh, yeah, things. You know it's, it. it's deep thinking, that deep intellectual thought. Otherwise, your brain builds up toxic ways to fix your sleep, and we didn't even touch well, on sleep. I,
0: <laughs> I definitely spent my two hours today, you know, uh, spending time with you. I learned a lot spending time with you. Doc, appreciate you for coming out this thank was a you. blast I really enjoyed it
1: I did too it was amazing thank you so much Absolutely. I really appreciate it thank Great you. meeting you and thank you for what you do
0: thanks everybody for listening and by the way if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes please do so give us a five star write a review if you haven't already and if you have any questions for me that you may have you can always find me on snapchat Instagram Facebook or YouTube just search my name Patrick Bid david and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram with that being said have 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 a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.